this time, let us read in the Word of God, John 14, 1 through 6. John 14, 1 through 6. Most familiar passage, I'm sure, to every one of us has been in the faith for any length of time. And very comforting. Here, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you for his ministry to us in fulfilling the word of the Lord. You said that the word will come down from heaven as the rain and the snow from above and return up thither but water the earth and make it bring forth and to bud. Give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall your word be that goes forth out of your mouth. And your son Jesus Christ, the living word, has come to us and has watered our souls with the living water of eternal life and has given us fruit abounding to glorify your grace in our lives. Continue, Lord, through your word to minister to us and, Lord, through us as we would take a message like this to others, to those that we know and love and care for who are outside of your kingdom, to those, Lord, that are in the straits of spiritual bondage to sin and Satan. And Lord, may through us your compassion shine forth in love to their souls, even through a message like this. And thank you, Lord, that I had such a privilege to speak to so many of my relatives about the hope that I have, that we have, my wife and I, and a few others amongst them. But most of them, Lord, not yet. And Lord, what you do with that will be up to you. Nevertheless, we pray that it would be, Lord, for their eternal deliverance and joy as they come to know the love of God through our Savior. And thank you, Lord, now for this opportunity to give this message which I had prepared for them but did not deliver yesterday, but now deliver to the people of God today. In your name we pray. Amen. So I entitled it, I changed the title, The Way to Heaven. There are many siren voices that are calling out to us. 
Sirens are like those creatures in the story of Odysseus who are calling out to him and to his sailors to come toward them so that they might crash their ship upon the rocks and be destroyed. And so to offset that, they were instructed to plug their ears, which they did. Except for Odysseus, who wanted to hear what the sirens were singing, because they had beautiful voices. And so he was told by a goddess to be strapped to the mast of the ship so that he would not be destroyed, as he would hear what they had to say. Now we know better than even to hear error at all. Many false prophets are gone out into the world, it says in the word of God. They're called instead to test the spirits. And so that is what this message in part is about. And also that you might be, you might beware. Although you've been under the word as long as you have and have heard the truth and even have become uh, committed, confessing, you reform faith and have become members in Christ's church, even this particular congregation or another reformed congregation. Nevertheless, take heed, take heed to the way to heaven, because the way of, of heaven is narrow, as our Lord says. Enter ye in at the straight gate, is straight or narrows the gate, and narrows the way that leads into life, and few are gate. As wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And destruction at Our hearts get troubled by sad events that happen in our lives, such as when a loved one has passed on, or even when we have loved ones that are nearing that point of crossing over the Jordan into the promised land. Jesus was about to die. And it was not to be from cancer or some other natural cause. He was going to be executed for a crime he never committed. Keep in mind, however, that the Father was going to use it as a means to a glorious end. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Imagine Jesus was more concerned about them and how they were, how they were in their state of sadness and of their state of dismay than for himself. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Why did he tell them that? Because he is God himself. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He's the creator. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. There before them, in their presence, the disguise in our humanity was the very living God speaking to them 
breathing his spirit upon them. They were handling him. They were touching him. They were being embraced by him. They were leaning upon his breast. And all because they knew deep down inside, especially having heard the word from the very living word himself, that they were in the presence of let not your heart be troubled. I and my Father are one. My Father is in me, and I am my Father. And I have sent my Spirit into you. I am dwelling in you. My Father is well one, one Spirit. You know what he has to say? Further, with regard to this matter of their comfort, so listen on. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. My father's house, where is that? The temple? Such as the temple when he said one time, not to make my father's house as a house of merchandise. That, is that the house of the Father? Is that the Father's house? No, it's heaven. It's heaven. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions. That's not the temple. That's heaven. Mansions. Mansions. You know what mansions are? It's those big houses that are in the cul-de-sac at the end of uh, a lone street away from sub the subdivisions, right? that you go to to check out, like when I go up to Wilshire Boulevard up in Los Angeles and drive through uh, their suburb. Palatial suites, like at the Marriott. That's what they are. And why not? They are to house the children of God. Only Christians will not be guests there. They will be right at home, home sweet home, forever. And he's not preparing it like one would expect when one has guests to come over your house and you have to spiffy up the house and cook up a nice meal for your guests. Oh no. But how will Jesus do it? In Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 20, we have here a very important explanation of how Jesus is going to prepare our place in heaven. And it says in Hebrews 10, 19 and 20, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest, that's heaven, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he had consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. What is the veil? Well, the veil is another word for the curtain, that heavy, large <clears throat> curtain that separated the holiest, or the whole, most holy place from the rest of the tabernacle and later the temple. <clears throat> and it's where God dwells. The holiest in the temple is but a picture of where God dwells in heaven. And the curtain 
the veil represents Jesus' flesh that was to be broken and was broken for our sins. That opened the door to our being in glory one day. So that even now, already, we are seated in heavenly places in Christ. And of course, the saints that have gone before us, like the Apostle Paul, have found that out. I know that indeed, all that Jesus said is true. Remember when Jesus died on the cross? How that, court, that curtain was torn from the top to the bottom? In Mark 15, 37-39, it tells us that. In Mark 17, 37-39. Let's say Mark 17. It should be Mark 15. Sorry. Mark 15, 37-39. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. And the veil of the temple was rent in twain, meaning parted in two, from the top to the bottom. Imagine that. The torque from the top down. You don't normally think that that's how it happens, especially if man is involved in that. Usually it would be from the bottom up, right? But that is to show that it was an act of God. That is to show that, that the tearing, the ripping, of that curtain that separates us from God is the work of Christ. It is a work not of man, but of God. And then it goes on. And when the centurion which stood over against him saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. And I personally am convinced that he made a profession of because in the Bible, our Lord himself says that the confession of faith saves. And what is that? When he answered the question he posed to his, his disciples on one occasion, if you remember, found in Matthew chapter 16, which I will ask that you turn to. Look in your Bibles. Look up Matthew 16. And verse 15 through 17. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, meaning Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. You see, for anyone to admit that Jesus is the, the Christ, the Son of the living God, takes God-given faith. You don't hear the Muslims saying that. They don't even believe that He is the Son of God because they don't believe that God is a Father, that God has children, and especially one who came from heaven. And not just the Muslims, but but all of the religions of the world, except the true faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what makes the faith of the Bible unique. All its own. And also hated. Even as they hated him. Who? 
and speaks the written word of the living word. And so, that veil, that curtain that was torn from the top down was symbolic of his broken body and his shed blood, which is what he experienced at Calvary, which we commemorate in the Lord's Supper. Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension back to his glory, his triumph over sin and death and hell, became the new and living way talked about in Hebrews that we had read earlier. The new and living way. The new and living way. He is the new and living way. His work is the new and living way. And that's what he meant when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. It is never Christ plus something we do. Whether it's prayers to Mary or rosaries or going to Mecca in a pilgrimage or any such human concoction or even in your reliance upon your faith and your will to believe upon the Lord as if, as if you in any way had anything to do with it. The only thing that you have to do with it is that God worked in you and God made you alive. Being alive, he gave you your soul back. So that now, out of deep love for God, you sound forth the praises of him who has called you out of the darkness of sin and Satan and death into the liberty of the children of God. Christ not only knows the way to heaven and tells us how to get there in his word, of course he has. He came from heaven. But he is the way to heaven. He himself. And so do you have the way? Do you have Jesus in your heart and in your life? And are you living for him? Now he, the way you will have assurance that you are his if, is if you are following him each and every day in his word and in prayer as a humble servant of the Lord. But moreover, as a blood-bought child of God, think about that. You're not a servant in the house of God. You're not going to be that doorkeeper we read about. Uh, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Yes, you're that here, but, but in glory, the angels will be the doorkeepers. You will be basking in the sunshine of his presence and love as child of king, as princes and princesses after Jesus Christ. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son of God has not life. That's in 1 John 5, 11 and 12. So either you do right now, as of right this moment, have him, or you don't. Now, if you don't, let's just say hypothetically, or let's just say you don't. That's not the end of the world. That's why you're here. That's why you have the Bible. That's why you, God has put you within earshot of his voice. The shepherd is calling. Follow me, or come unto me. 
and you will have rest. Find me, lowly in heart, and you will find rest unto your souls. And follow me. And as a true child of God, a true sheep or lamb of the shepherd, it will only be natural that you will follow him wherever he goes. Wherever he goes. That's being a Christian. I believe that my cousin became a believer. The very tail end of her long life, she lived a long life. And according to the testimony of Sally, who was formerly a member with us, who is very dear to my heart as the fruit of my ministry back in 1983, way, way back. And she didn't even live where I was staying. She would come and visit on the weekends sometimes and heard the gospel and uh, came to Christ and continued to follow him. Well, her oldest sister, Mercy, is not a believer. And she lived here in America. And she lived close to us and heard the gospel, but it wasn't Lord's time. But prior to her passing, just weeks before her going to be with the Lord, she called on the Lord. And it wasn't me. It was the niece of her brother-in-law who lost his wife, who was the younger sister of theirs. And so it was amazing how when I was having that Bible study with many, if not most, of those that were there yesterday, 30 or so that were there yesterday, um, when I would give the word, she was at peace, when previously she was struggling and not at rest at all in tears. And we had to console her and weren't able to, but it was different. It was different. And then when I asked her, do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? And she nodded her head. And you can tell that there was a smile, and there was a smile on her face, that she was happy in Jesus. And there were all these witnesses around them, and all the other times of our visits, it was the same way and better. They finally really called her. And so I believe that my Ati Mercy, as we call her, older sister Mercy, is in heaven because she had Jesus. She had the way. Because she called upon him to be her Lord and Savior. And I know that she and others that are in heaven that we know right now want their nearest and dearest to be in heaven one day. But how can sinners go to heaven? That's the question of the hour. God is holy and would be perfectly just to let us all perish in eternal hell. But he didn't, did he? It says in the Bible that when we were yet without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. Even the ungodly like myself. Charles Wesley wrote a hymn that uh, is not in our hymnal, and yet it's one of the most superlative hymns that you can ever sing, and it's so exalting of Christ. And I'll just read to you the first stanza. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Die me for me who caused his pain, for me who him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be 
that thou, my God, shouldst die for me. And all the other stanzas are like that. You'll have to reread it, and better yet, re-sing it. And maybe next week I might do that. It doesn't matter how bad your sins are. After all, why did the Father send His Son? Because He only came to save some sins, but not all sins? Oh no. Oh no. He came to save His people from their sins. That's what the name Jesus means. It says in another place in the Bible, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, as He is light, we have fellowship one with the other. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. But we have to confess our sins, knowing that He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, from all lawlessness. It doesn't matter what it is, it doesn't matter how bad it is, short of the sin of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And this was manifest the love of God toward us. Because God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Live. Really live. Not just exist. Not just survive. But thrive. But live unto God. That's what the Christian life is all about. It's a glorious life. It's walking with the King and being a blessing to people around us. Why? Because we've been, we've been saved. We've been transformed. We have made the name anew. We've been restored. We have a new life. When he died, he rose again in order that he might, order that we who died with him and rose with him might arise into newness of life, said the Apostle Paul. Didn't Jesus ask, or say, I should say, in my father's house are many mansions? Why? Because God has a big heart. He has to have a big heart. Bigger than mine, that's for sure. The way I treat some people. Perhaps yourselves. No. Even, even so big that he has room for you and me. Think about that. And so, can you not have room for other people too? Even other people that you think, ah, oh, they, they, they definitely don't deserve to go to heaven. As if we're the judge. <laughs> we need to get, get off of that bandwagon. And get on our knees before the face of God and, and acknowledge, as Jesus says, that we have no business being in the judgment seat of Moses. Or any judgment seat. And in fact, when we do judge, and we are, we are to discern, we are to actually make judgments at times. We're to do so with a grain of salt. And that grain of salt is with a humble spirit, recognizing the being that is in our eye, so that when the Lord enables us to take that out of our eyes, so that we can see clearly, or more clearly, we can help that brother or sister to take the moment of his or her heart. See how that works? Pretty simple, huh? But boy, doing it is like pulling teeth out of a horse's mouth. It's like trying to lead a horse to water that doesn't want to drink. <laughs> that's how we are. But the Lord knows that. And that's why he gives us the instruction he does, and then he says, I will give you my spirit. I will pour my spirit upon you. And you will 
dream dreams and you'll speak the word of God and you'll be a brother to others and sister to others. And you will speak the truth in love. That's what the Lord does. Thanks be to God. Again, do you know if you will be there? And I know I'm speaking to the choir, but you know sometimes in the choir there might be someone who's not yet a Christian. I, that happens, right? I, I know that from the past experience. There's some that were in the choir, maybe one or two that weren't yet in the Lord, although they were seeking the Lord. So, will you? Do you know if you will be there? Where's the there? Heaven. Remember that Jesus said, "I." So do you have the way to heaven that you have here? Not because you know the Bible or know about Jesus Christ or even profess Jesus Christ, but yet the fruit of faith has not really come up yet. Maybe it's in bud form, you know, bud or flowery form, but no fruit yet, okay? So you got to work on that. You got to work on that by seeking the Lord, seeking Christ, seeking Him with all your heart, trusting the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not unto thy own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. So, do you have the way? If you do. Happy are you that you see it one day, and that may be very soon. I will end with one last scripture, and that's 1 John 3, 1 and 2. 1 John 3, 1 and 2. Very favorite passage of scripture. It's almost like John 3, 16 to me. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God, or the children of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, the children of God, and doth not yet appear what we shall be. For we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as I'm looking forward to that great day when I will see my Lord, not with the eye of flesh, as it were, but with the eye, I'm sorry, the eye of faith, as it were, but with the eye of flesh, as it is. Let's pray. Well, Father, thank you for the way to heaven. Thank you that there is such a thing. Thank you that there is you, that you are the God who made all things, that you are the God who is the creator and the sustainer and the governor, Lord, and judge of all things. And especially you are the savior of your people, of the body of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which we are part. Thank you, Lord, for saving our souls. Thank you, Lord, for making us whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to us thy great salvation so rich and full and free in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.